0: come today, and already, Lord, I feel as though the service has been meaningful. Lord, just the way your Spirit meets us during our time of worship, I really believe it's such a vital part in the life of our church. God, it's not just the warm-up or the music, but it's really a time of preparing our hearts, It's a time of offering something to you that you would be willing to receive from us, God. And what a joy it is to worship you in spirit and in truth and to have your presence in our midst today. And Lord, I do ask that our hearts now would be prepared for the word. I pray that you would speak to us, Lord, out of your scriptures today, that it would encourage, touch, minister, convict, challenge, Lord, whatever is needed in our heart, that your word would find its mark within us and that we would be moved spiritually. Also pray, Lord, just for those offerings that would come in today through the offering boxes. You would continue to show yourself faithful, God, to this ministry and faithful to those uh, that give and sow into the ministry, Lord, that you would continue to provide all that we need. We thank you now and ask for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I would ask you to open them up with me to the book of Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31. We'll be finishing up chapter 31 today. We'll be picking it up in verse 31 and through the end of the chapter. The title of this morning's message is, All Things Have Become New. All things have become new. You may remember Paul's encouragement to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that is good news, that uh, God comes and gives newness and a complete transformation and old things passing away. Aren't you glad? (laughs) And that all things have been made new. Do you ever feel like you need just kind of a do-over? <laughs> ever feel things ever happen in your life, and you need, feel like you need that, that a second chance? Oh gosh, if I could just you know have another shot at that. Well, that's what that's really a big part of what the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is about. It's about starting anew and afresh. It's about a new life, a new beginning, and a new future. And. The prophet Jeremiah is going to speak of a new covenant. He's speaking to a people there in Israel. As you know, we've been tracking through Jeremiah. Now we're, we're dealing with a nation that is under the discipline and judgment of God. A people who have really kind of rejected the Lord. As we'll see here this morning, they they've failed at the first opportunity of covenant relationship with God. But God is going to give hope and promise of a new covenant. And, of course, you and I are participants of what Jesus called the New Covenant in His blood. There, when He gave uh, the cup and the bread at the Last Supper, He inaugurated the New Covenant, of which you and I, as a church of Jesus Christ, we enjoy. But the promise began way back in the book of Jeremiah, and God was promising a new opportunity for them as well. What I'd like to do today is actually just allow you to follow with me, read through, I'm going to read through the whole text. It's just uh, a few verses, uh, verses 31 through 40, and then we'll come back and break it down section by section. But let's just read through the whole passage first so you'll get an idea of what we'll be looking at today. Verse 31, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for a light by day, the ordinances of the moon and the stars for a light by night, who disturbs the sea and its waves roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus says the Lord, if heaven can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I will cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, says the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that the city shall be built for the Lord, from the tower of Hananel to the corner gate. The surveyor's line shall again extend straight forward over the hill Garib, then it shall turn toward Goath. And the whole valley of the dead bodies and of the ashes and all the fields as far as the brook Kidron to the corner of the horse gate toward the east shall be holy to the Lord. It shall not be plucked up or thrown down anymore. <clears throat> A new covenant is promised. Keep in mind, this is at a time when the nation is really suffering under the judgment and the discipline of God. This is a dark time, a difficult season for, their, for them as a people, and God brings this word of hope. And I just want us to kind of analyze this passage bit by bit and talk about the newness that God is promising. The first thing I'd like you to notice with me in verses 31 through 32 is that God speaks of a new opportunity. Let's read again, verse 31 and 32. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. This is going to be something new. This is going to be a new opportunity for my people. It's not going to be like the old. The old covenant which was given when they came out of Egypt, and you remember Moses delivered the law and the new covenant. The covenant, at that time, it was a new covenant for the nation of Israel, having been delivered out of Egypt. But it's a covenant that they broke. God says, even though I was a husband to them, I wanted to be in close relationship with them, but they broke this covenant. There's nothing wrong with the covenant but rather the people that did not keep it. God was faithful. He said, I was a husband to them. I was faithful to, to my end of the covenant, but they broke the covenant. And they need a do-over. They need a new covenant. They need, this covenant has been broken and the nation is now being suffering the consequences of it. Part of that covenant was a promised land. Part of that covenant was a a promised place of worship there in Jerusalem. All of that is now being lost because the people of Israel rejected and broke that covenant. Hold your place there in Jeremiah, and I'd like you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. The writer of Hebrews references this very passage in Jeremiah, pointing out that God has given new opportunity in this new covenant. I'm Hebrews chapter eight, and I'm going to pick up in verse seven, and you'll see this is almost a direct quote from the book of Jeremiah, but the writer of Hebrews gives us some insight. Hebrews eight and verse seven. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Now he's quoting directly out of Jeremiah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day which I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. And he goes on to talk about the details of the new covenant, which we'll discuss in a moment. But what I want you to see is that the writer of Hebrews is pointing out that, listen, the first first covenant failed. Something went wrong with the first covenant that God offered. Finding fault with it, the writer of Hebrews says. Finding, Finding fault with the covenant? Was there something wrong with the law of God? Was the law insufficient? Or was it with man's ability to keep the law and keep the covenant. Uh, Paul, the apostle, would discuss this in great detail. I'll give you a couple of quotes out of the book of Romans. The problem with this covenant wasn't with God or, or, the, or the actual covenant itself, but rather with man's obedience to the covenant. It was based on man keeping that law. And in that sense, to be honest, it was doomed to fail because men are not able to keep an outward set of laws. Although we try, although we even like those kinds of things. We like checklists. We we prefer being able to kind of earn our way. But God has given us a revelation in the law, revealing to us that we're really not able to keep that, and it reveals something else in terms of a need for a Savior. But here's a couple of quotes out of the book of Romans. You don't need to turn, but Romans 7 and verse 12 Paul says this, therefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Amen. The law is perfect. In verse 13, he says, has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. Did the law kill me? When God gave the commandment, did it, was that something that came to minister death? No, it wasn't the law, but rather he says sin, that it might appear sin was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. Paul gives a little insight as, as to why God gave this first covenant. Because you might ask, you know, if God knew, and he did, that we were going to fail of this first covenant, then why did he give us a covenant that he knew we, we were going to fail at? He knew we weren't going to be able to keep it. Well, Paul tells us right here, the reason that God gave this, this, covenant, this co- commandment was to reveal the sinfulness of men's hearts. It was to show you your need for saving. If, if you could have kept it, then, of course, you wouldn't need a Savior. Jesus would not need to come and die for sins if man, by, by outward com- commandments and laws and regulations, could have kept and earned favor and righteousness with God. God gave this law in order to illustrate to man the, the depravity, the, the, the deficit in our character. Paul goes on in Romans 7.22. He says, For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? This is ultimately where the law, this first commandment, was to bring men's hearts, that you would come to that understanding that, oh, you know, the law, I'd like to keep it, but I find within myself I'm not able to keep it. I may agree with it. Have you ever experienced that? You know, where where you kind of have a standard that you'd like to live to, but you find that you're not able to, that you make mistakes, that you fall short. And God is trying to reveal something. He's trying to bring men's heart to this place where Paul is. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me? And this is something that is still used today. This is still what what is necessary in the hearts of men today. How many times do you meet people, maybe you're even here today, and you may have this notion, you know, well, I'm a good person. I mean, if you ask 90% of the people that that you meet out in, in your, you know, just in everyday life. Hey, are you going to heaven? Oh, of course. Why? Because I'm a good person. Well, let's take a look at the law of God. Let's take a look at the commandments of God. Let's see if you're, if, because you're a good person, you're going, you know, you feel like you have a right standing with God. Let's take a closer look. The commandment says, thou shalt not lie. Have you ever lied? Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, says, thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, I've never done that. Yeah, but Jesus went on to say that even if a man looks upon a woman with lust in his heart, it's as if he's committed adultery. And right about then, the men start getting a little squirmy too. And so, under closer examination, we discover, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? No, there is none righteous, no, not one. And much of what the law intended to do was to bring this to the light Showing and opening the understanding of men. Those that imagine themselves to be right in their own standing, they need, they need the truth of what God's standard is, and they realize, I fall short. And this is what's going on here, even in the nation of Israel, but Jeremiah is talking about a new opportunity. Aren't you glad? I've got something new coming and the writer of Hebrews said, listen, God, when God said there was something new coming, he was saying that the old is eventually going to be passing away. And this is the new covenant that we now speak about in greater detail. Let's look at this now in verse 33, back in Jeremiah chapter 31. Let's take a little bit about, look a little at these, these blessings of the new, the new covenant verse 33. And just look with me the first half. What I'd like you to see there is that this new covenant includes a new nature, a new nature. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. This is different than the first, com- first covenant, isn't it? The first covenant was written on tablets of stone, right? Moses brought it down from the mountain, remember? And it was a written law, an outward set of ordinances and commands. God is saying, the new covenant that I'm going to make with this nation in time future is not going to be an outward set of commands. It's actually going to be something that's going to be new within. I'm going to to change the heart. I'm going to instruct the mind. We sang this morning, Lord, we we love you from the inside out. And that's the way this new covenant is to work. It's to change us, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. Something is going to take place in your heart. Ezekiel prophesied of this new covenant. Listen to the way he describes it. Then I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them, and take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them and they shall be my people and I will be their god new desires to please the lord that stony heart that hardness that selfish that that heart that had no ability to really live up to the standard is going to be changed and that's what it's going to take. If you're going to please God, it's going to take more than your willpower, more than your religious effort. It's going to take a new nature. God is going to have to come in and do some inner surgery. Something from the inside has to be touched. And this is what God is promising a new mind, he says. I'm going to instruct their mind. You remember this in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God's Spirit will actually speak into your mind. You're going to hear those things that God wants you to do, even in your daily walk in your life. You know, we should be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says to walk by the Spirit. That God's spirit will direct you and direct your path? Is it possible that God could communicate with you just in your normal day-to-day life a word from him and him giving instruction in your mind? No, don't say that. (laughs) Or, hey, say this. No, don't go there. Or go this way. Or you know what? Pray about this. He he begins to put a burden in your mind and you begin to think about someone that wasn't on your mind and all of a sudden you need to be praying and you call them and oh my gosh, I'm so glad that you called me. I needed encouragement today. I was going through something. This is the kind of relationship that God is looking for, a new inner uh, obedience. Not looking for checklists. Okay, did I I do this? Yeah. Did I do this? Yeah. 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 I'm good. No, God's going to do something with me in me through me every day every moment the spirit of god <clears throat> wanting to work his new nature with me again hold your place look with me to john chapter 3 no longer an outward set of laws but an inward change of nature jesus spoke of this you know this is a famous passage you know it but i want you to look at it again john chapter 3 <clears throat> jesus describes this the way this new nature occurs <clears throat> John 3 and starting in verse 1, <clears throat> Excuse me. there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and you do not know these things? Jesus speaking of this new nature that God wants to create within our hearts and minds. And he references it as if being born all over again. Nicodemus trying to understand this. How can that be? And Jesus saying, I'm not talking about a physical rebirth, I'm talking about a spiritual birth. Born of water and the Spirit, water, the water of baptism, coming into relationship with Christ, and then the Spirit of God creating a new life within you, a brand new nature. Have you ever wondered how you're going to do it? You can turn back with me now to Jeremiah 31. Do you, ever, do you ever kind of feel like, you know, I can't do it, it's too hard? I'm talking about Christianity, talking about living, you know, a life for God. Do you ever, you ever feel like, you know what, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to change. I, 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 you know, I don't know how I'm going to really become more like Jesus. I, I want to, I'd like to, but I, I just don't know how. Well, the good news is it's not going to be by your own strength. It's not going to be by your own efforts. It's going to be by the new nature of God that lives within you, that begins to change you and transform you and make you into the image of his dear son. It is a spiritual transformation that takes place, and that's what this new covenant is about. And I don't know about you, but I am so glad that it is not up to me to try through sweat and effort somehow get on that treadmill of religious works and, and earn God's favor. but God has come and God has given me a new nature. And if you, if you know the Lord, you've tasted that. You know. It begins with desires. You find your desires changing. And then over time, you begin to see your character changing as you give place to the Lord, as you allow that relationship to grow and mature. It doesn't happen all at once. I wish it did sometimes, but it does happen. And you look back on months or years and you realize, wow, God has changed me. Something is going on on the inside. I really am a different person than I used to be. This is part of the new covenant. It includes a new nature. We go back to Jeremiah and we see also there the latter part of verse 33. It also includes a new relationship a new relationship with God notice what he says i will be their god and they shall be my people you're going to come into a new covenant relationship and it god he's going to be your god and you're going to be his people you're going to be his child it's almost like a mutual ownership The Apostle Paul talks about this in marriage. He says, you know, the husband, you you no longer belong to yourself. You've given yourself to your wife. And wife, you don't belong exclusively to yourself either. You have given yourself to your husband. And this is the idea, this new relationship between you and God. He's your God. He belongs to you. And you belong to Him. I will be their God. God is saying, I'll covenant with you. I'll be your God. That's good news. The God of the universe, the God of all creation, you'll be my God, you'll, wa- you'll go with me, you'll watch over me, you'll be my God? Yes, you know, I'll be your God. You know, some people think, oh man, I need a, I need a bodyguard, I need somebody, you know, big and strong around me and I'll feel safe. God is saying, I'm right here, I'll be your God. <clears throat> I'll go with you. I'm not ashamed to be your God. I'll, I'll watch over you, I'll commit myself to you. I will be their God <clears throat> and they will be my people. You will also belong to him. He is my God. He belongs to me. I can call on him in time of trouble. I can look to him. I can count on him. Sometimes I, I'm afraid that I, I look to him as my last resort when he should be my first. It seems at times I exhaust everything that, that, you know, that I can do in my own strength, and when then it doesn't work out, I realize, oh, I guess I need to pray about this. You know, Time to pray. You know, yet he's there all the time. He's always, he's, the Bible says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, with prayer and supplic- through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known unto God. He wants to walk with you. He wants to be your God. He wants to be that resource, that help, that steady force in your life for good. But not only that, you're going to belong to him. They shall be my people. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians, you don't need to turn, but 1 Corinthians six nineteen. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? That may be news for some of you today, but it's true if you're, if you're a Christian and you belong to the Lord, you are not your own. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He would go on to say, Also in 2 Corinthians, and he died, speaking of Jesus, he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. You have been purchased, you have been redeemed, and the price was high. It was the very life and blood of Jesus Christ that was paid at Calvary to purchase your life from the bondage of sin from the future of judgment into... Yeah, that's, why we, that's why we call it being saved. <laughs> you were headed for trouble. You were headed for having to stand before God in an unholy place and to be judged, and you've been saved from that, rescued from the wrath to come. But it came at a price. Jesus paid a sacrifice for you. Jesus gave himself, and now you belong to him. And that's the essence of the new covenant. Listen, yes, I'll be your God but you will be my people. We belong to one another now. Yes, we can look to God, and we should. And yes, God will help us in our life, and and he does. But he's also looking for you to understand you don't belong to yourself anymore. We're in this together. This is like, as close as we can describe it, like a marriage. And, And you're not free to just be your own person any longer without reference to your new spouse and it affects not only your confidence in Him, but it should affect the way you live your life. That's why Paul says, therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. It's a good understanding you have a new relationship with Him. Back to Jeremiah 31, and look with me at verse 34. The fourth newness that we can discuss here today is that there are new mercies. New mercies, no more. Shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. The mercy of God. New mercies. This is a people that have missed God's covenant opportunity. This is a people that have fallen short of the mark. And I think every one of us can identify we too have fallen short. And not not only once upon a time did I fail, but I find that even in my Christian life today, although I'm changing and although God is working something new and I I see progress, I also discover that I still fall short. I still make mistakes. I still fail. I still miss the mark. Oh, and that's so frustrating. You know, you feel like, wow, okay, God gave me this brand new clean slate. Man, God, don't worry, I'll never do that again. Thanks for the fresh start, Lord. You can count on me. I'm going to be good from now on. I'm going to be, you know, I won't make these kinds of, and what happens? We go out and muddy the water almost the first day out, right? And we come back, and okay, Lord, I promise this time. For sure, I know. Okay, I learned my lesson. I, I've heard this from my own children, so I know. And I've said this to the Lord, right? We're this way. Lord, I, I just, you know, it's... Oh, and we make those promises. And I know those promises are well intended. But God, God has to extend mercy. You listen, you just can't make it without the grace and mercy of God. And what I have discovered, it's the mercy and that grace and that kindness of God... That when I really begin to understand how much he loves me and how patient he is with me and how willing to go the distance he is with me, that's what actually changes me. It's not my promises and commitments, but rather his grace. His love for me begins to slowly, I wish it was quicker, but eventually his love begins to win over in my heart. And I get tired of coming to the Lord and saying, God, here I am again. And I know that I've grieved you in this. And over time, that, that wears me down, and, I, and, and, and next opportunity, it's like, no, I, I, don't, I love the Lord too much. I want to begin, it's not just about what I don't do, but about those things I choose to do, and the things that I begin to give my life to, and the things that become my priorities. The love of God constraineth me, Paul said. Paul said, listen, we're out here preaching, we're out here doing this, not because we're trying to earn points, because God loves us so much. He's loved me so much that I can't but serve Him and obey Him in any way that I can. And this is the love of God that comes through His mercies. You know some of these passages. Let me just remind your heart this morning that He is merciful. Jeremiah would, would write in the book of Lamentation, through the, Lord's merc- through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Every morning there is mercy renewed. Psalm 86.5, For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. I love this one out of Micah, chapter 7 and verse 18. He says, Who is God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. God delights in mercy. God wants to show mercy. God loves us and is invested so much so that mercy can flow and the the greatest expression of course Jesus Christ and that's what the new covenant is about it's about new mercies we need them when we come to him we need them for our entire journey with him his mercies are new every morning number five here on my list today we have a new confidence a new confidence verse 35 through 37 God says this, thus says the Lord who gives the sun for light by day, the ordinances of the moon and the stars for a light by night, who disturbs the sea and its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. He identifies himself as the creator of all the universe. And then he says this, if those ordinances depart from before me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. A lot of people have tried to destroy the nation of Israel throughout the histories, but they've not been able to do so. God has kept this promise. Verse 37, thus says the Lord, if heaven can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, and you know they can't. We're still trying to figure out how many. We can't even count the stars in the heavens, let alone understand its size. But he says, if it can be measured, and if the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I will cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, says the Lord. What's God saying? He's saying, Listen, this covenant is not based on Israel and their shortcomings and their strengths or weaknesses. This covenant is based on my keeping it. This covenant is based on my faithfulness. And he simply uses this as a figure of speech. Listen, when 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 you can measure the universe, then that'll be the day. You know, we, we, we use those, you know, phrases, right? When that happens, then, then I'll change. Some of it's kind of derogatory. I won't use it. You know, when something freezes over, that'll be the day that those things happen, you know. But God is saying, listen, when the heavens can no longer be measured, that's when I'll no longer retain this relationship and covenant promise with my people. And this gives confidence. And this is a confidence that we have in the new covenant that God is committed that God is not going to give up on you. If your heart can continue to look to him and you continue to come to him, you are going to find a God that is committed to you. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. God gives us confidence in our relationship with him. Jude 24 and 25, Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. This new covenant gives me new confidence. If it were just a covenant like the old one, based on my obedience to keep it, I wouldn't have much confidence. But it's not. It's based on God's faithfulness. It's based on what God is committed to accomplishing through Christ in this new covenant. Finally, we'll close here today, verses 38 and 40. It includes a new destiny. A new destiny. For the people of Israel, Jeremiah describes a a new Jerusalem that will one day be... Restored. This is now a city that is, is being uh, destroyed by Babylon, that's under siege by Babylon. Everything is being torn down, but God promises a day. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that the city shall be built for the Lord from the tower of Hananel to the corner gate. And he describes the, the four corners and the boundaries of the city. And he says, it shall not be plucked up or thrown down any more forever. We believe ultimately that this passage will be fulfilled in yet a future time. That God has promised a day when Israel all will know him. That all will call upon him. Their eyes will be opened to their Messiah. And this new covenant will become something of a a national covenant again for Israel. We of course are included in that in the life of the church. We believe that there will be a day when God will reestablish forever the city of Jerusalem as the capital for the kingdom of God on earth. We reference that as the millennial time of Christ, and and Jeremiah speaking out even into that future, speaking to them about a new destiny, a new city, a new place, a new home. And that includes the new covenant that we have been recipients of in Christ as well. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, Jesus would say where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Those of you that have received the new covenant, you also know that God has a new destiny for you. Part of the new covenant, covenant in Christ is recognizing that this life is is not the end. That it, this isn't the end all. Maybe before we knew the Lord, we lived as if this life was everything. And we clung to everything. And we clung to this life. And it was all about trying to make something of this life. But Jesus would tell us that, listen, this life is passing. For those of you that have become partakers of the new covenant, I have something eternal in mind, and you need to live this life with that destiny in mind, and begin to live in such a way that you're actually storing up treasures for yourself in eternity. Jesus would say also, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus, just before he went to the cross, assuring and comforting his disciples that he was simply going to a new place and, going, and that he would come back for them. The writer of Hebrews talks about the heroes of faith, and he describes them this way. Even as far back as Abraham, he says, Now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. This new covenant includes a new destiny, a new hope, a new place for eternity. All in all, the new covenant is a better covenant the writer of Hebrews says, and the old. It's built on better promises. And most importantly, it is initiated by a better mediator. The old covenant was mediated by the the Levitical priests, men representing men before God, and God established that covenant, and it, it served those people, but we live under a better priesthood, don't we? We're no longer represented by, by Levites, men that, are, that need to offer sacrifices for their own sins before they go in to offer the sacrifices for our sins. We have a new high priest. His name is Jesus. After the order of Melchizedek, one who would live forever. The priests in the Old Testament, you know, they die. They get old and they die. Jesus lives forever forever as our priest. He is ever at the right hand of God making intercession for us. And he came into not just an earthly... He did not go into the earthly tabernacle. He did not enter into the earthly Holy of Holies. He went into the heavenly Holy of Holies and presented himself, the sacrifice, the Lamb of God, his own blood. You remember when he had his disciples and he brought them into that upper room just before the cross and he talked about this new covenant and he says this in Matthew 26 he took the cup he gave thanks and gave it to them saying drink from it all of you for this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remissions of sins for the remission of sins a new and better covenant with a new and better mediator a new and better high priest Jesus, the Lamb of God, God in the flesh, God coming himself to do for man what man could not. The the old covenant called men to something that we were unable to establish. God's new covenant has accomplished it for us. If you're here today, I want you to just appreciate two things. One, that you cannot, through your own works of righteousness, establish a relationship with God. You can't do it. No matter how hard you try, you're going to fall short. No religious effort, no keeping of rules, no uh, you know, mandating of regulation upon your life will be able to accomplish what God requires for this relationship with Him. So number one, don't trust in your own righteousness. But number two, appreciate what Christ has done for you. Don't live under the guilt and shame and condemnation. Okay, pastor, you've convinced me I'm a sinner. <laughs> oh, wretched man that I am. Well, that's, that just sets you up for the new covenant, Really? Now that you're willing to confess and acknowledge that, you're in a good heart, and a good place to receive what God has done for you. Paul would go on to say, O wretched man that I am, thanks be to God in Christ Jesus my Lord. I'll tell you who will deliver me, O wretched man that I am, God in Christ. And we can rejoice in the newness of life that God brings. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the joy of the new covenant, promised all the way back there in the book of Jeremiah. And Lord, we are thankful today that this new covenant is not dependent upon us. It's not that we have no part to play. It's not that we don't have a response to give. But Lord, the covenant itself is based on your faithfulness. It is based on what you have initiated. It is based upon what you have accomplished. And my part really is simply to receive it and to walk in it and to live under the blessing of it. And so I pray today, God, that you will just teach our hearts. Lord, for some, this may be just kind of a a review. We know these truths, but Lord, I know that even... Even in lives that know these truths very well, we need to be reminded and we need to be strengthened and we need to be refreshed in our understanding of this new, wonderful relationship that we have in you, that we might take full advantage of it. That's what Paul said, that you would know the height, the depth, the width, the breadth of this love that God has. So Lord, grow our understanding of these things today. And that we might walk in them and glorify God in our bodies. And Lord, for those, if we'll keep your heads bowed just for one moment longer, I want to give an opportunity if you're here today, and maybe you need to respond to the Lord. It may be that God has spoken to your heart this morning. And maybe it's it's new for you, really, a new understanding of what this new covenant, the the relationship that God has offered you, maybe in some way God has opened your eyes to something. Maybe you were someone who imagined, you know, well, I'm a pretty good person, I'm, I'm okay with God. But you realize today that it's, it's going to take more than you being a good person. You're going to have to enter into a covenant relationship with Him. You're going to need to be delivered from the person that you are. And God is looking to do a new work on the inside. And maybe you'd like to respond to that. Maybe you'd like to invite the Lord into your heart today. And I'd love to pray for you. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe you've never really opened your heart up to the Lord before. But you recognize your need today for, for a Savior and you want to invite Jesus. Or maybe you're here and you need to come back to the Lord we talk about it, you know, a, a rededication or recommitting your life to Him. And it may be that you've just drifted from the Lord. You're not walking with Him this morning like you know in your heart you should be. Maybe you're not appropriating this new covenant relationship at all. At one time you came to this truth. At one time you walked close with the Lord. But today you're distant and you're you're really living all, as if you have no relationship with Him and you need you, you desire to come back and reestablish. You heard this morning, and we simply quoted the passages of Scripture, that God delights in mercy, and that His mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. Come back to the Lord and recommit your heart to Him. Maybe your sin, or maybe your guilt or shame has kept you away. Maybe you thought, no, I just can't come again, Lord, I've blown it so many times, or You know, I've done so much since I've been absent and walking with you. I I just don't feel like I can now come and ask you to forgive me. But God would say, come. My mercies are new. I I delight in mercy. Do you want to please me today? Allow me to forgive you and cleanse you and reestablish. Listen, I want to be your God. And you be my child. You walk and live with me. And I'd love to pray for you if that describes your heart today. So if you're here this morning. And you need to come to the Lord, maybe for the first time or recommit your life to Him. Would you raise your hand where you're seated, and I'll pray for you just as we close. I bless you, sir. My right. Anyone else? And you, ma'am, on the right as well. God bless you. My right. Bless you on my right. Anyone else? Before I pray for these that have responded. God bless you, sir, over on the far left. And you, ma'am, as well, over here on my right. God bless you. Heads are bowed. We're not trying to embarrass, but we want you to respond to the Lord. He sees your heart. He knows. Anyone else, just before I pray. Father, I do thank you for the power and truth of your word. Lord, you're the one that said your word would not, would not go out and return void. That it would go out and accomplish what you sent it to do. Today, Lord, you, you reminded us of your, your love and the covenant relationship that you desire to have with us. Not, not religion. You're not looking for religion, Lord. Lord. You're not looking for man's efforts to be good enough. You're looking to come and move into a heart that wants to be born again. You're looking to create a a covenant relationship that begins in the heart, that begins from the inside. A transformation, a regeneration, a heart that says, Oh God, save me. I can't do it myself. I can't make it on my own. Help me, save me, forgive me, cleanse me, and begin to change me. And so today, Lord, we rejoice in those that have responded. And we believe, Lord, even as we read at the beginning of our service, that old things are going to pass away and that all things have become new. So, Lord, I I pray for those. And I would say for them, Lord, we would pray together and we would say, Lord, forgive us of our sins. We come and we ask you for that new mercy to cleanse and renew us. Lord, for some, it may be for the first time, for others, oh God, here we are again. Cleanse us and refresh us anew. Lord, come into my heart. Jesus, I recognize that it's you. You're the one that that paved the way for this covenant. It's you that has come to save. And oh, I pray that You would, by Your Spirit, cause me to be born again from the inside and I would begin to live for You as Your possession and that You would be my God. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.